Good evening. Welcome to the beautiful historical marionette theater. Please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Whoa, it's the 80s. We have keyboard music. <laughs> Synthetic keyboard music. Uh, yes, indeed. I was pretty shocked uh, to find out John Williams did the score. Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, he had done block, you know, was doing blockbusters. How did he get roped into doing this? I'm not sure. But uh, hey, you guys, hey, guys, hey, you guys. Hey, hey, I should have been cast in this movie. I really should have. Oh, you were going to be the (laughs) Were you going to be the kid robot? No, God, no. I wouldn't have gotten into that stupid makeup. They were insane to do that. No, I could have been the helicopter pilot. (laughs) Really? I would have done good. Did you know I can really fly a helicopter? No. I mean, I've heard you have that dance routine, but I didn't think it was related. Oh, listen. Do not. Okay. My hell. Oh, boy. You don't know what you're getting into there, boy. Hey, you better uh, let me do the opening. Yeah, you better get downstairs before we get in trouble. Someone called the police the last time. Oh, boy. Here we go. Val and Aqua are companion robots that have been returned to the factory for servicing. One eventful evening, the two become acquainted and experience a sunset and a thunderstorm together. Afterwards, they decide to escape to the outside world and end up starting a family together. Before long, they're on the run and the authorities are on their tails. Put on your best evening wear and grab a pouch of your favorite drink. It's time for Heartbeeps with Andy Kaufman and Bernadette Peters. Hit it, boys. What do you get when you take a dash to the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies. And a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Well, Mr. Smelly, we we had a brief preview of spring the other day. Did uh, a few things melt out there in the pickle hollows? Yeah, um, and uh, just about as fast as it melted, uh, the next day, today, turned to ice. (laughs) Turned to ice. Uh, What was it? It was like in the 50s yesterday. Today, you know, 20s. Oh, it sure was. But, you know, um, even though the temperatures have dipped a bit, it still stayed sunny out somehow. That's true. Yes. And that al- was welcome. Oh, it sure was. And allegedly, we're roughly around a calendar month from when the first day of spring is due to hit, allegedly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was Valentine's Day recently, Toppy. And, you know, whether or not Cupid's arrow has struck you recently, I had um, a little story. It had to do with the candy shop that uh, mm. I could share. You know, 
Um, as one to do, as one is to do, you know, your your boss sends out a happy birthday or whatnot. Well, um, my office has gotten into sending out greetings to everyone because we're we're all you know working from home, and uh, they my boss sent out a happy Valentine's Day, which you know, okay, that's fine. But um, leave it to the creepy older guy to weigh in. And I don't mean to say it that way. I know this person personally quite well, so it's just not just his age group. But he made an example of himself by replying to my boss's email for Happy Valentine's Day. And not just saying Happy Valentine's Day back, but he said to all of you single ladies... And, oh, brother. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's terrible because this guy is is more than a senior and he is happily married because he talks about his wife all the time. But I just thought that was creepy city. Now, um, a, a, another coworker and I who goes to the same church, if you know what I mean, um, he agreed it was creepy. And I, I, I fought the urge to reply back because I just wanted to say, and to all of you happily married men. <laughs> 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 oh, yes. That's pretty, that's pretty funny. And a, a little bit of inappropriate office humor on the old Valentine's Day there, so... But also, five years ago, Toppy, we dragged you out for your first road trip with us. How about them apples? Yeah, I, I remember. Um, yeah, that was our first time uh, at uh, down there in the Delawares. And, boy, you know, one of the things I remember is that it was quite wintry in New York. And we drove down there. And, you know, it's over the mountains in Pennsylvania and then down and it was like it was like a warm spring there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were there were like uh, the bulb flowers, you know, like uh, there were tulips up there. Um, and it was just like wow, I boy, and I and I I don't think there's been quite as nice a weather <laughs> after that because I remember one year it was raining like cats and dogs, but it, it, and it was never that. Oh my God! That was it. Was like, am I in Florida? I must be. I don't know. I'm in Georgia. I'm in, I'm in Atlanta. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know where. With, but it was so warm. Mm, you know, it's like old man winter has tilted the globe a little bit. We're heading back into that. Um, what do they call that? The uh, ice age. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Let's not think about that. No kidding. But yes, uh, fingers crossed the uh, the groundhog, you know, said six more weeks, which, you know, I, I realize I live in New York. I'm just grateful that we're getting more sun uh, on average lately. So, yep, yep, yep. It's good to get out there. You got to get your vitamin D and, uh, you know, get try to get 20 minutes of uh sunshine this time of year which is hard to do but um it's good for you um i'd like to welcome the chat room before we get going our pal tommy hash brown is there and although um i didn't meet him until the following we've we've all gone together ever since that second trip that i took and also welcome to marin gertz and uh thanks for being here because we do we do do this show live 
and uh, every first and third Friday. And here we are. You can you can come and join us. Uh, there's a chat room where you can talk to everybody, talk to us, and um, and participate on the show. Yeah, and you can even catch my getup because uh, we, you know, we we heckle the uh, wardrobe mistress every now and then, and I haul out a look. So you can catch us over on YouTube. Right, uh, and please to explain your look tonight. Oh yes, so uh, this is inspired by the story of Heartbeeps. It's a romantic comedy, so of course, from a day gone by, I am a Harlequin. So I have my little pointed hat with the bells and uh-huh. my mask because we're imps and we like to cause mayhem. <laughs> there you go. Uh, very proper because uh, uh, it's just Valentine's Day and we kind of chose a, a bit of a romantic comedy for tonight. Um, but let's set the stage. DJ, we're uh, Heartbeeps came out in 1981 Mm-hmm. Tell us uh, what was going on way back then. All righty. The U.S. in 1981. Way back machine. <laughs> the, uh, re- there was a release of 52 American hostages in Iran, negotiated in 81. And, well, Ronald Reagan, he was sworn in as the 40th president. Jury's still out on that being good. Walter Cronkite, uh, dear old Uncle Walter, he signed off of CBS after 19 years of service. He yeah. uh, oversaw the landing on the moon. He's sometimes t- called the most trusted man on television. And that's the way it was. And also in 81, the Space Shuttle Columbia was the first successful space shuttle launch, of course, after the prototype that was named after the, the uh, starship on Star Trek. Uh, the Los Angeles Center. Wait, we've already, folks, we've already brought Star Trek into the show. That might be a it's record. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. This might have been the soonest. So there you go. <laughs> the shoe has dropped. The Los Angeles Centers for Disease Control first reported early cases of what would later become known as AIDS in 81. Sandra Day O'Connor became the first woman nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court. Nintendo... The uh, the Empire of Video Games, they first released Donkey Kong with Mario at arcades in 81. They weren't a home console system just yet. Also in 81, Mark David Chapman was sentenced to 20 years of prison after murdering John Lennon. Now, I don't know if you know, but did he serve 20 and was he released? Did he die? What happened to the guy? Hmm. I know Moren in the chat room is a a big history buff from that period. She could probably tell us. Yeah, I don't remember what if he, you know, if he's maybe he could even still be there. I don't know. And then lastly, in 1981, the first American test tube baby, Elizabeth Jordan Carr, was born in Norfolk, Virginia, back in 1981. And eventually, when she passes away, she's going to be buried in a Petri dish. (laughs) (laughs) And she'll say, it's no place like home. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to try to get through these celebrity births. Good Lord. Uh, A couple of familiar names to me, but uh, I swear to Jeebus, I can't place any of their faces. But here goes. 
uh, celebrity birth, Justin Timberlake, musician, actor, Beyonce. I even know how to pronounce her name. <laughs> uh, last name Knowles. I didn't even know she had a last name. Uh, another, another musician, musician, actress, Jonathan Taylor Thomas uh, from Home Improvement. He was one of the kids, right? He was. Okay. Alexis Bledel. Um, actress from the Gilmore Girls and the Sisterhood of Traveling Pants. I love that name. And Britney Spears, musician and former Disney star. And it's the truth, folks. You put Justin Timberlake. I don't even know if that's a man or a woman. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm old. I don't know what he, what he or she looks like. If you put Justin, Beyonce, and Britney Spears in a lineup, I'd like, I'd have to guess who was who. I saw, <laughs> anyways, it's terrible. Oh, well, you know, the first time I remember seeing Beyonce in a, uh, a film role was in one of the Austin Powers movie. And uh, she played um, one of his sort of sidekicks. And when she got her hair wet and she shook it out, she got this huge afro. And her character's name was Foxy Cleopatra. <laughs> so, Toppy, before we get off to uh, the discussion of 1981 and uh, what was in the theaters, we have a uh, clip here. It's actually the trailer that was released yeah, in theaters. Yeah, let's play the trailer. Okay. And now, direct from his worldwide tour, we proudly present the one and only Leonard Catskill. Thank you, thank you. Good evening, ladies and germs. It's great to be here. Of course, at my age, it's great to be anywhere. But seriously, folks, I'm here to tell you about this new movie. It's called Heartbeeps, and it's about me and my pals. Here's Valcom. Turn your head around. I don't want to say he's dim-witted, but he makes an electric toothbrush look like a genius. Look the fire. My function? To serve as companion and valet. Being programmed for charm was probably an extra expense. This is Aquacom. She was popular mechanics playmate of the month for June 1994. Get a load of those components. Wowie wow. Oh, thank you. And then there's Philco. He's a great kid. But he had no sense of humor until he met me. I have been this happy since the time I bought a pet skunk. My wife said, why do you expect to keep it? I said, under our bed. She said, what about the smell? And I said, you'll have to get used to it just like I did. Now the problem is, we're all being chased by this overgrown squad car named Crime Buster. Don't get excited, don't get excited. Remain stationary for computer check. While waiting, you may enjoy a brief musical interlude. He's a cross between Darth Vader and a Sherman tank. I've heard of party crashes, but this is ridiculous. But believe me, folks, this movie's got a lot going for it. There's action, adventure, romance, raccoons, even people. Hey, kid, behave yourself. Oh, yeah, and I'm in the movie, too. <laughs> but seriously, folks, don't forget to see Universal's new movie, Heartbeats. And it's coming for you-know-when. And speaking of Christmas... Andy Kaufman, Bernadette Peters, in Heartbeats. Coming this Christmas, it's holiday entertainment for everyone. So I says, I don't care who you are, Fatso. Get those reindeer off my roof. Oh, 
boy. (laughs) (laughs) So let's be honest, Toppy. If you had seen that trailer before I recommended this movie, would you have seen it? Um. No, I'm afraid that that would not have inspired me. Um, uh, no, it wouldn't have. Um, yeah, it, it, you could tell they did not know how to sell this movie. Um, and they had, I mean, I. it seems to me Bernadette Peters was a name, a recognizable, bankable name at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know. Andy Kaufman was hardly a household name. Um, and you could they didn't have any star power to say, yeah, you know, their their names aren't even mentioned till the very end. Um and, and they they I yeah, they didn't really <laughs> you know, the most the most they were going for were were the special makeup effects and and that goofy kid robot. Yeah. Um, uh, so, anyways, yeah, I think historically, movie trailers are often made ahead of the post production and everything being wrapped. So, that was all the prettiest elements of the film, and uh, you know, as as we know and we'll discuss later, um, there there was a little problem on the way to heaven when this was being made. But, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> on the way to heaven, yes. Oh God, that's a funny way to put it. Uh, Margaret said in the chat room. Uh, that uh, the, uh, 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 Lennon's uh, killer did get out of prison and, uh, well, married a Japanese tour guide. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's all we know. Um, hopefully, um, he was a troubled, very troubled man, and hopefully he's uh, much better. Uh, well, Let's do go into uh, more of the competition for heartbeats because mm-hmm. it was a ferociously competitive year. Yeah. So in the year prior, in 1980, there was a bumper crop of films. And we've actually visited 1980 uh, once or twice here before on Matinee Minutia. But just that nudge ahead in 81, this this might be virgin territory for us. So... Heartbeeps, no surprise, because of course, if you're any follower of ours, you know at Matinee Minutia, we love the underdog. And Heartbeeps, well, it wasn't the bottom of the box office. It was number 44, which is kind of surprising because it came out at the end of the year. So, you know, when when you show up to the prom late, you're not going to get voted king or queen. But Mm -hmm. uh, number 44, and it brought in... Just two million, so it probably didn't uh, even pay for the craft services. But uh, <laughs> it brought in only a hundred, or sorry, four four hundred and seventy thousand opening weekend, which was December twentieth of eighty one. I, I probably wouldn't have tried to put this out at Christmas time. You got big names usually in those films. Uh, but number one at the box office that year is, is, uh, is a film series, of course, that I think both you and I enjoy. Superman, Superman 2, of, in this case, brought in $108 million at, at number one at the box office, of course, with Mr. Christopher Reeves. And yep. number one of, my, one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, today, I prefer the Richard Donner cut. Um, and... Uh, 
Anyways, go ahead. Uh, What was number two? Certainly number two. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this cast member was also an alumni of Saturday Night Live. Uh, Stripes brought in $85.2 million. It was number two at the box office, of course, with Mr. Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he was uh, he uh, was following up behind Andy Kaufman there at the uh, Ed Sullivan Theater. And then uh, number three at the box office in 81 was a personal favorite of mine, hmm. starring Mr. Burt Reynolds and uh, Roger Moore. Now, it did have Tom DeLuise, but Roger Moore, of course, was the bigger name. Brought in $72 million, the Cannonball Run. And, uh, sp- you know, spawned several sequels later on with guest appearances from people like Jamie Farr from MASH. Uh, let's see. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie Farr is one of those people who uh, so eloquently pokes fun at his own culture. And it's okay because, you know, he's not being racist. He's just being himself. <laughs> mm. Now, um... Just a rung above Heartbeeps, because we like to know, um, you know, what we're working with here. One better than Heartbeeps at number 43 was a film called The Hand. And this is actually now on my uh, uh, list of things to catch. Has Mr. Michael Caine brought in $566 million, And this was actually an Oliver Stone film, which is part of what brings it to my attention. And Mm -hmm. the story is a comic book artist loses his hand, which in turn takes on a murderous life of its own. Yeah. I never saw it. Never saw it. No, it sounds intriguing. And then uh, one less than Heartbeeps at number 45, The Rung Below. This is a biopic. And uh, it made $429 million its opening weekend called This Is Elvis. Now, uh, it was a film that had rarely seen um, footage of the king of rock and roll. And uh, the synopsis, the life and career of Elvis Presley is chronicled in home movies, concert footage, and dramatization. Subjects included early performances, army service, Ed Sullivan show, marriage, his comeback, health to decline, and death. So uh, that was the competition to Heartbeeps in 1981. Yeah, big year for movies. Uh, let's talk about the. Oh, uh, Tommy Ashbrown's in the uh, chat room says he saw Heartbeeps in theaters at least twice hmm. when it was, was released. So he must have uh, liked it enough, anyways, um, to see it twice. Uh, I. I kind of remember, you know, I do. There's just one funny thing I remember about that movie is in the posters and and not knowing. I don't think I knew who Andy Kaufman was at that time, but I thought that was Chevy Chase in that makeup. Oh, I thought he was in the movie. Interesting. You know, I, um, I sort of gleaned that he bore a likeness to him with those prosthetics on because of course they they based the cast on his own face but when you add those layers on it does create a different silhouette yeah i mean it was pretty heavy makeup by the way makeup um okay i mean have that wrong what's what's his name sam winston Mm -hmm. uh Maybe he created more of the robot type. I'm not sure he did the makeup for Bernadette Peters and 
uh, and uh, Andy Kaufman. At any rate, let's talk about the director. Mm-hmm. And his name is Alan Arkish. You may not have heard of that name. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he was born in Jersey City and uh, started out, I mean, kind of like pretty promising. First of all, student of Martin Scorsese. Yeah, way back then, Scorsese was teaching filmmaking uh, somewhere in New York City. Um, and uh, one of the things I know about Alan Arkish is he spent um, it, at least a couple years, if not more, with another uh, uh director who we would know the name of, although I've forgotten. But one of the things he did is he edited movie trailers and he became like an expert in it. And everybody wanted Alan Arkish to edit their movie trailer. So that was just like one of his early, you know, feathers in his caps as he was a highly sought out editor of movie film, uh, movie trailers, which are really important to the industry because uh, that's uh, a big part of what sells a movie. So anyways, uh, he got in, he eventually got into full-fledged filmmaking and a career that started in the late seventies. Heartbeats was his fifth film. Just prior to that, he did rock and roll high school in 79 with Clint Howard. Um, he also had something to do with, Star he Trek. didn't direct it, uh, but he had something to do with uh, Eat My Dust and some early Ron Howard movies. Uh, he he was part of it. I'm not sure how. At any rate, um, um, Rock and Roll high, uh, high School was kind of interesting because it, it involved the Ramones, which was uh, a very popular um, band. I, I do. Do we want to say alternative was the Ramones? Alternative. They weren't top forty. They were wacky. They were weird to people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so after Heartbeeps was Get Crazy, which was far more successful than Heartbeeps. Um, well, I guess if you haven't noticed, Heartbeeps was. A flop. Uh, Get Crazy was in 1983 with Malcolm McDowell, uh, who portrayed a mega promoter, uh, Colin Beverly, who plans to sabotage the uh, the New Year's 1983 concert of small-time operator Max Wolf. Uh, Significantly more popular uh, and important to his career than Heartbeats. However, both of those movies and the other punk yeah, you're right, Tommy. Duh. I should know. The Ramones were punk. Um, uh, I'm terrible with music, Tommy. You know that. What happened with, with Alan Arkish is he just wasn't having great experiences directing feature motion pictures. And it just wasn't, he wasn't jiving with it. He always seemed to have problems. He never enjoyed the experiences. He particularly had a problem with heartbeeps. And guess what? He didn't do any more feature movies. <laughs> so what happened to him? Well, he went on to have a really good career in television, where uh, he went on uh, to have 79 directorial credits 
and you would have seen his work directing uh, shows such as Fame, St. Elsewhere, Moonlighting, and many, 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 many others. And most recently, people might remember in 2008, a little long-running network series called Heroes about humans who develop superpowers. Well, he was behind that show and directed a lot of episodes. He also did the sci-fi series Defiance in 2014. And most recently, uh, Nashville in 2018, which is about a series about the rise to fame of country musicians. So don't you worry about Alan Arkish. He made, he had great success on television. Okay, so we are at about the halfway mark in our show. We're going to step on over here to the concession stand where Miss Gertie is going to be whipping up some uh, late Valentine's cocktails for us. I sure am. I've already sampled several. (laughs) I'll have something with an umbrella and perhaps a cherry. Okay, so uh, we have an interview with Andy Kaufman co-star Mary Lou... Henner, and uh, she's from, uh, well, as I said, Taxi. This is an interview with her for the Archive of American Television. With all due respect to Jim Carrey's performance in Man on the Moon, I felt like he got the crazy a little too much of Andy, but he never got the heart. Andy had a great heart. He was like a good boy, and in many ways, his genius was that he could be the boy next door, you know, the boy from the neighborhood, from Great Neck or wherever he was from, and then do something so crazy and different that it was that kind of yin-yang that made your head spin. Um, He was very sweet. I, I told you that I had seen him at the improv doing first The Great Gatsby as foreign man, and then whipping off the studs off the uh, whipping off the tape off the side of his pants and revealing studs and going into the greatest Elvis I've ever seen in my life. So he certainly was a performance artist and I knew that going into it. And then I couldn't believe how sweet he was. He considered himself a song and dance man and he liked the idea that I'd already done Broadway several times and I'd worked with the Andrew sisters and you know um, that we because uh, later on there was the uh, the costume party episode where the Danny Tony and Judd went as the Andrew sisters. I mean I'm sorry no Andy, Tony, and Judd went as the Andrews sisters, so we, I taught them their little dance and stuff. Um, but Andy was nice. I mean, he, he, he had like seven out of 13, so he wasn't in every episode. And he didn't come in on Mondays. He came in on Tuesdays. Uh, Mike Binder would come in and read the Andy parts. Um, and what, what, what happened was he'd come in Tuesday for the afternoon run-through. They'd walk him through. The script was always written in English, and then he would do his latka gibberish, and you, you felt like you understood him after a while. Um, and then he'd come in on Friday. So he had a very truncated schedule. And, uh, you know, I know people say, oh, he hated being on Taxi, or that's what Man on the Moon said, or whatever. When he was there, he didn't act like he hated it. And we certainly all got along really well. And I had many very good conversations with him. I flew with him a couple times. He and I ended up on the same plane for things. Um, and he was, a, but he was a character. I mean, one of the, my favorite Andy stories that I love to tell, because it's sort of a shortened version of something. One day he walked in with this disgusting boil on the back of his neck. He had this boil, I'm not kidding, it was this, this size. It was like the size of a very large 
ping pong ball, golf ball. It was bigger than a ping pong ball or a golf ball. He, it was on the, right on the back of his neck. And I said, that is horrible. He said, watch this. He made an announcement that the audience, for $1, if you wanted to, you could come up and touch Andy's boil. And like 100 people lined up to touch his boil and, you know, paid him the dollar. He was a provocateur. But you never knew because he'd be sitting there and he'd have, you know, those big eyes and he'd be talking to you. And then all of a sudden something crazy would happen, come flying out of his mouth. You know, so uh, we worked together for a few months. Okay, so that was Mary Lou Henner from Taxi on Andy Kaufman. And then you'll find we're going to talk a lot about Andy Kaufman because, well... While the movie played it pretty simple, um, Andy Kaufman is probably the most absolutely fascinating thing about the movie. So why don't you start, DJ, and just tell us a little bit about him. Okay, so Andy Kaufman, and uh, in Heartbeeps, he played the uh, the valet, uh, and his name was Val, short for valet, Val Com. And they all had serial numbers, 17485. Andy Kaufman was born in New York City, and he was self-described as a song and dance man. He's not an actor, not a dancer or comedian, a song and dance man. Kind of an old school definition. Uh, Kaufman began working in small comedy clubs in the early 70s, where he developed his foreign man character. Kaufman came to the attention of a wider audience in 75 when he was invited to perform portions of his act on the first season of Saturday Night Live. His foreign man character was the basis of his character of Lotka Gravis on the hit television show Taxi from 78 until 83. Now, Kaufman appeared in his first theatrical film, God Told Me To in 76 with Deborah Raffin, who, of course, starred in a, a film that we talked about earlier this season that was touched by love, uh, also involving Elvis, uh, <laughs> in which he portrayed a murderous policeman. Now, uh, Kaufman appeared in two other theatrical films, including the 1980 film In God We Trust, in which he played a televangelist. And uh, the 1981 film, Heartbeeps, that we're discussing tonight, then he played a robot. Outside of his performances on Saturday Night Live and Taxi, Heartbeeps was Kaufman's only character-based film role. Two years later, he would release his final film, My Breakfast with Blossie. And uh, this was with the pro wrestler turned manager, Classy Freddie Blossie because it was exploring his interest in professional wrestling at the time. And this was meant to be a parody of the popular film of 81 with Wallace Shawn, who, of course, was in Princess Bride that we talked at the beginning of the season. Yes, he certainly was, and DJ. That, and that original film, of course, was My Dinner with Andre. So Kaufman figured, I'll cash in on that, uh, that fame of going to a meal with a celebrity, and of course, this was a professional wrestler, not unlike uh, Dinner with Andre. Yeah, and just just so people know, my Dinner with Andre was a breakout independent movie that made the art house uh, circuit. With it, just had extended stays wherever it went. It was extremely popular. People went to see it. Nobody'd seen anything like it and i'll tell you what if there's one thing i'm going to do 
after this show is I want to see my <laughs> breakfast with plus. <laughs> I want to see how he parodied this movie. I honest to God, I got to see it. I need to see a before picture and an after picture of how much your mind has warped. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Uh, Speaking of warping minds, we lost Andy Kaufman at the tender age of 35. God, so, so too way. God, what a tragedy. You know, he died of lung cancer, although, uh, as, as was, um, uh, explained in the the film uh, Man on the Moon, which I did manage to catch before this with Jim Carrey uh, playing the part very wonderfully, and I'll I can talk about that more later. But um, Kaufman was not a smoker, unlike a lot of folks in that day. But he managed to develop lung cancer, and um, as pranks and elaborate ruses were major elements of his career, persistent rumors have circulated that Kaufman faked his own death as a grand hoax. Now, part of the the story on Man of the Moon was that uh, when he was diagnosed with cancer, Kaufman called his family to one of his doctor's appointments. And because he was living in California at the time, they thought that this was all a ruse, that he got his actor friends in on it. He continues. And you know what? That was completely believable because his whole career was based on elaborate bruises. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that was like so like it seemed like yeah, this could really be. I mean, he this is it's exactly the kind of thing he would have done. Um, and I suppose maybe there's people that believe this, but uh, no, he's, he's dead, but it was completely believable that he would have faked his own death. Yeah. He continues to be respected for the variety of his characters, his uniquely counterintuitive approach to comedy and his willingness to provoke negative and confused reactions from audiences. And, you know, I mean, it's partly because we lost him at a young age, but I, I have to wonder what would have become of him. I mean, you know, there's a fair yeah. share of folks who wet their toes as child actors and never did acting again. But you also have those actors who decide, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not as good in front of the camera as I might be behind. And there's a lot of people who've joined those ranks, including, uh, you know, 90s popular actress Meg Ryan. People say, well, where'd she go? She's behind the camera now. You know what? That's an astute um, observation because, you know, that really is very likely where he would have gone is is he would have become a creator of projects and maybe a director. Uh, that that really that really does feel like that's where he would have gone had he not uh, passed at geez, 35. Well, let's talk about Bernadette Peters. Um yeah, who played uh, Aquacom, 89045. Uh, she was born in New York City. And truly here we have like a superstar sh- uh, of stage, of screen, of TV. Uh, she was doing it all, but she began... Way back in the 1950s, get this, it's just a little kid. And her mother uh, started her in show business by putting her on a television show called Juvenile Jury, 
which was a children's game show that originally was running on NBC radio in 47, then uh, went to television soon after where it ran until 1954. So we're talking really early television folks. Bernadette Peters was there. Well, she was three years old, but she was there. (laughs) She was there. Uh, This uh, juvenile jury was uh, hosted by Jack, Jack Murray. And it featured a panel of children aged 10 or less giving advice to solve the problems of other children. And wasn't TV in a lot of ways much more creative and interesting way back then? I mean, that's an interesting, you know, I don't know. Then it all became, you know. Uh, westerns and cops and robbers and lawyers, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyways. um, So, uh, but by the uh, uh, seventies, little Peters was grown up and she continued um, to be in all kinds of this, that, and the other thing, but she eventually uh, was started to get cast in movies. And one of her most notable first roles was in the longest yard in 74 with Burt Reynolds mm-hmm. and she played the warden's secretary. She did many, uh, many other roles, uh, but by 1981, uh, she started working up to, to leading roles. So w- one of those might be uh, in 79, uh, she did the jerk with Steve Martin and she played the uh, Steve Martin's love interest. <laughs> and uh uh, but uh, here she is. She was also in Silent Movie. Remember that from Mel Brooks mm-hmm. in 1976? She was in Pennies from Heaven. I think she and Steve Martin had a thing. I think they were a couple. I do believe so, yeah. I think so. That's why she got in Pennies from Heaven, which was another Steve Martin project. But she was also in uh, Annie oh, in 1982. Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett. Well, Carol Burnett was in the Annie in 1982. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. Oh, she had several. Uh, she actually had several times where she um, would appear with Carol Burnett. Uh, uh, that wasn't the only time. Uh, she was in Pink Cadillac in 1989. She was in Coming Up Roses in 2012. Uh, so, um, Hard Peeps uh, was uh, actually Bernadette Peters' ninth film. Um, well, uh, over the years, uh, this lady's been nominated for a whole lot of awards, and she's won some. But uh, she was nominated. She's been nominated for four Emmy Awards, three Golden Globes, uh, winning a Golden Globe once. Uh, in her six-decade career, folks, six decades, uh, her greatest critically acclaimed successes have been in musical theater, where she is much beloved. Uh, she's won three, count them, three Tony Awards, three Drama Desk Awards. Four of the Broadway cast albums she's been on have won Grammy Awards. She is regarded by many as the foremost interpreter of the works of Stephen Sondheim, uh, who passed away not all that long ago. She's particularly noted for her roles on the Broadway stage, including Mac and Mabel in 74, Sunday in the Park with George uh, in 84, Song and Dance in 85, Into the Woods, 87, The Goodbye Girl in 1993, 
Annie, get your gun in 1999. Gypsy in 2003. A Little Night Music, 2010. Follies, 2011. Hello, Dolly, 2018. What a career. Oh, wow. Now, Toppy, I don't want to toot my own horn. So uh, for those of you listening to the podcast version of this, uh, if you follow me on social media, ask me how I know this. But I've got a little story about Bernadette Peters involved really? in Star Trek. Um, well, no, are you kidding me? <laughs> if you tell me she's been a character on Star Trek, I'm going to eat my jester hat. Oh, no, no, no. You know, everything with me involves dark alleys and side stories. So, um, no, a, a, a famous Star Trek actor, uh, George Takei, of course, who played Sulu in the original series, uh, once shared a story because he's a, a a big fan of English culture, as you might know, that's called an Anglophile. And uh, he shared a story once that uh, he once made the mistake of going to the theater, as he loves to do, on his first night in town in London. So, of course, you've got an eight-hour at least plane trip, depending on where you're coming from, and then the five-hour time difference from the East Coast as we know, coordinating with our good friend, the Shy Yeti, uh, you got to do something right in the sweet spot. Well, Mr. George Takei went to the theater his first night in town instead of resting up, and he fell asleep during the play. And uh, in the after party, of course, he heard the lovely Bernadette Peters telling the uh, people that someone in the audience fell asleep during her performance and could be Oops. heard snoring. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Charge. But, you know, um, if you follow me on social media, ask me how I know that story. Oh, well, all right. Okay. All right. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So we got a, you know, uh, it's kind of a trio. We've got more people in this cast. Shall I name off some others? Yeah. Tell us a little about Randy Quaid. He, he had kind of a fun role and he's a strange personality. <laughs> Randy Quaid. Yeah. Um, 80s personalities never cease to amaze me. I mean, uh, you, you can follow, you can fall down the rabbit hole on these folks and um, it ain't pretty. So uh, Randy Quaid, he uh, played one of the factory workers in heartbeats. Uh, he was born in Houston, Texas. He was brother to famed actor Dennis Quaid. And while studying at the University of Houston, his acting teacher suggested he audition for a role in Peter Bogdanovich's The Last Picture Show, which in 71 starred Jeff Bridges and Sybil Shepard. It was a story of two high school seniors and longtime friends, Sonny and Dwayne. Now, Heartbeeps was Quaid's 15th film, not just Whoa. five, but one five. So, you know, he knew how to pay his bills in those days. Probably hung out in craft services to find out what the next gig was. Stop that. <laughs> and just prior uh, to Heartbeeps, he did The Long Rider. And this was a film with David Carradine and a few of his brothers, I think. A film about Jesse James and company by the future director of Brewster's Millions, Mr. Walter Hill. Now, while Quaid would appear in several TV movies after Heartbeeps, maybe because that's the only thing he could get 
because he was in Heartbeeps, but <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until 83 before he would appear as his iconic role of Cousin Eddie in National Lampoon's Vacation. These movies are banned in my house. It's funny until you're related to people like that. Oh, uh, no! Uh, but he did <laughs> appear in five films in the years that followed. Quaid has 117 acting credits, most recently appeared in All You Can Eat in 2018 with Kathy Najimy. It was a weight loss comedy. And I dare you, do not go down the rabbit hole of Mr. Randy Quaid unless you're ready for disappointment. That's all I'm going to say. So, Toppy. Yeah. No, I, I just, I, I mean, you know, I don't know if, if the guy is afflicted by any kind of mental illness, but he's he's said and, and done very strange things uh, recently. And uh, that's all we need to say about that. Uh, I did want to not leave out actor Jack Carter, who played Catskill, um, because maybe not a lot of people know his name, but he's got a fascinating career nonetheless. Uh, He was born in 1922, Brighton Beach, Brooklyn, New York City. Um, he eventually became one of the best known top-notch Las Vegas comedians. He was known for his fast, irreverent, and funny patter. Uh, he was once praised as one of the outstanding comedians of the century. He had it going on. And, uh, I'm not going to say that his character of cat skill captured much of anything about him. Uh, because frankly, all the jokes Catskill told in that movie were horrible. Uh, and I guess they were supposed to be. But he was a comedian uh, of, of that ilk. And like anybody who would have been in the business or is in the business today knows about Jack Carter, even if you've never heard of him, because he was a comedian's comedian. If you know, he was very, very, very well respected. He did some acting. You would have seen him in History of the World Part One. I'm still waiting for Part Two, which I think is actually going to happen. <laughs> have you heard that? On and off. Yeah, I have. Okay. He was an alligator. Mm. Uh, he was in uh, the TV show Amazing Stories and many other things. But here's the fun facts about. This guy, Jack Carter, this this long-lived comedian. Uh, You all know who Milton Berle is. Well, uh, Jack Carter and Milton Berle were, you know, doing vaudeville stuff. And kind of similar, really, in their delivery and what they knew about the business, but there's uh, uh, one thing that happened uh, that uh, Jack Carter got the less end of the deal. So in 1948, NBC decided to test NBCs throughout a summer for their show, which was then known as the Texaco Star Theater. The Texaco Star Theory eventually became the Milton Berle show. It was one of the most popular shows on early, early, early television. 
everybody tuned in to see Milton Berle. Milton Berle to this day, household name. Well, uh, one of the people they tried out was Jack Carter. And, uh, well, they also uh, tried out Henny Youngman, Georgie Price, Harry Richmond, Maury Amsterdam, Hi, Rob, uh, and Peter Donald. But uh, after the testing, it, it was pretty clear Milton Berle would land the permanent title. And, of course, uh, that was in 1948, and the, the rest is history. So Milton Berle, household name, nobody knows Jack Carter. <laughs> It's just one of those things. Another fun fact is he hosted he hosted the very first televised Tony Awards. But but early on, very early on in television, he kept coming back. Uh, he would show up uh, on ABC as the host of specials, including a, a show named after him, Jack Carter and Company, 1949. That's real early in TV, folks. And American Minstrels, also in 49. He was hosted the Calvacade of Stars, also in 49. <laughs> and way back then, there was no ABC network, because that, that came along much later. There was the Dumont network that a lot of people don't know about. Um, and it was it was it was there, you know, it was it was CBS, NBC, and the Dumont network. Yeah, and Jackie and Gleason had a hand in that, I think. I, I do believe so. And uh, they had a show called The Jack Carter Show, which was a variety art. That was about 1950 to 51. Carter went on, you know, he must have appeared, I don't know, a hundred times on the Ed Sullivan Show, um, the Hollywood Palace. And as variety shows uh, peaked, like everyone at one time had a goddamn variety show. Jerry <laughs> Lois, Dean Martin, independently, not together. They had variety shows. Andy Williams had a variety show. Bob Hope had a variety show. Blah, 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 blah. Well, all of them, inevitably, Jack Carter would, would turn up on one of the end, uh, episodes. Anyways, he went on to have a great career that nobody knew about. And uh, it ended kind of in 2009 um, when he uh, survived being hit by a car in Hollywood, but it, you know, it kind of crippled him and, uh, and he pretty much semi-retired. Um, and then he died uh, eventually in 2015, but he's just, he's it, it, the people that knew him, to them, he was a legend. So that's Jack Carter that played Catskill, um, the the wisecracking jokester um, in the movie. Hmm. See, um, so before we wrap up and move on to our recommendations, just want to do a, a brief little discussion here, as we want our one to do from time to time. So, um, you know, this is probably maybe the, only the second or third time that I've seen Heartbeeps. Uh, I probably saw it, you know, uh, sometime in maybe the 80s or 90s on a rerun on one of those movie channels. Mm -hmm. But um, th this is a film that I feel, uh, although it may have missed the mark, it, it definitely had potential. It has heart. And um, it, it's sort of a, a theme that continued on into the 80s because, 
you know, you've got these um, machines, and they do call them robots in this movie, although they are designed to look like people, and we understand through the course of the film that they do have uh, personality elements. You know, the the Aquacom, a robot played by Bernadette Peters, is a more social figure. She's supposed to entertain at pool parties and such, so she's got conversation skills. And um, Andy Kaufman's character, Val, he's a valet. So, of course, he's supposed to be the man's man. He's going to help them out, get dressed, make sure they're sharp for the evening. Maybe he knows about relationships. So, uh, you know, moving into the 80s, you get uh, data on Star Trek The Next Generation. And they evolve that story with a robot who wants to be more human. So this is kind of an early attempt at robots being more like humans. And again, I felt that while the story did miss the mark and that it wasn't a big smash hit, um, you could tell that the movie meant well, that it had heart in moments that mattered. Like uh, after they've escaped the factory, for example, they find themselves trying to figure out how to survive. And sort of by accident, they decide to form a family because their skills leads them to build a robot, not unlike them, so that they could have something that will carry the things they need and will help them. And essentially, because they both took their knowledge and built something new, it became their child. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There was there was some heart uh, to this movie. But it, it, it was quite plotting. Um, the plot was there, but there wasn't really a whole lot to it. You know, one of the things is, you know, it was about these robots who, who were supposed to be basically going beyond their initial programming. But they, they didn't say, oh, we can get married. They just kind of were together they they didn't say oh let's make a baby they just sort of made a thing to carry spare parts mm-hmm. and so it, it's it's like they had no intention of doing any of it it just uh, which i you know I, i'm not sure champions them their cause much like I say, all I remember is that I thought Chevy Chase was in this movie based on the posters. <laughs> when I finally saw it, what I was expecting was, oh, my God, Andy Kaufman is going to be off the wall bonkers nuts. He's going to be like a Robin Williams. He's going to be going off script. It's, there's going to be a lot of ad lib. It's going to be wacky, cuckoo, crazy, and probably pretty bad. <laughs> well, <clears throat> un, uh, but no, no. Andy Kaufman got the script and he wrote it word for word. He did no ad libbing. He didn't try to make anything of it. He didn't go off script. He didn't. It was like, uh, really? It's kind of hard to believe, but he just took the project and did what he was supposed to do. And even the voice he used was basically the foreign man voice Mm -hmm. without the foreign accent. But, you know, that night up here, he had which which he's done a million kabillion times. And so, you know, Andy Kaufman didn't bring anything to this, really. Anybody could have done what he did in that movie. So 
And I'm like thinking, wow, you know, is, is, uh, did he just not try? Did he, did he recognize it as a bad project and um, just decided uh, I'll just do this and get out of it? Well, and we did discuss behind the curtain that this was sort of a, a, an audition in a sense, because there was an intention to develop a character that he had on Taxi. Um, it's sort of a, a, a chauvinist, overbearing performer named Tony Clifton. And they were trying to talk the studio into letting him make a movie about that character. And this was sort of their... Um, you know, demonstration that Andy Kaufman could be in a movie. And of course, right. afterwards, they scrapped that. But, you know, I would love to have been a fly on the wall when this is being made only because knowing what we do about, uh, you know, people of the trade, you get experience and talent and advice rubbed off on each other. And I would love to see any advice or hear any advice that Bernadette Peters might have passed on to Andy Kaufman that, of course, couldn't go anywhere because he wasn't with us for very much longer. But uh, I have it on good authority, and this ties right into one of your trivia pieces, Toppy, about makeup, that um, somebody worked on this of note. I'll let you lead into that, and then I'll tell you my part of that. Who worked on the makeup, Toppy? Well, I misnamed him at the very beginning. I forget what I call him, but it's Stan. It's Stan Winston. And he was a special effects guy. And and he did do the makeup, it says here, for uh, Heartbeeps. And it actually brought an Academy Award nomination for Heartbeeps for the makeup that was by Stan, Stan Winston. And if you remember, in 1982... Uh, there was a, a movie called An American Werewolf in London, uh, and a guy named Rich Baker did the makeup for that, and it won the award as it should have. It was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. So now Stan Winston that did the makeup, um, there there was an interview where Stan Winston mentioned while he was working on the set of Heartbeeps, they were running into some issues with the weather. It had been raining recently, so all that humidity was wreaking havoc on the makeup jobs on the actors playing the robots. Now, uh, Stan Winston mentioned that Bernadette Peters passed on some wisdom to him during the filming, and she said to him, Stan, it's just a movie. <laughs> and apparently from that moment after, he he, uh, he de-stressed and calmed down. <laughs> well, I do know for a fact that, that the director particularly had uh, I, I I think he was extremely frustrated by these problems that plagued uh, the movie's production um, the weather and the makeup and everything and I, I know that specifically one of the reasons the director just said I never want to hear about heartbeats again and all I can say about Andy Kaufman is is he must have known that this was kind of a tryout movie mm-hmm. And, I mean, you watch anything of his club performances or his performances on Saturday Night Live or his many appearances on Carson. Okay, there's nothing normal <laughs> about his performances. They are whack-a-doodle. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I can only think that Kaufman said, okay, I've I've got to 
be professional, do this movie, show that I can come in, do a scene, finish it, and 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 do the job, which is exactly what he did in Heartbeats. I mean, nothing more, nothing less. He just went in and did the job uh, rather than try to knock it out of the park by being zany. Uh, and it's all I can think mm-hmm. that that was going on there is he just said, I'm going to play it safe. I need to prove to them that I can come in and work and say the lines. So that's all I can think of. Yeah. And I, I would say that if uh, someone hasn't seen heart beeps, of course, uh, a little uh, breadcrumb for you is that it's currently free to watch on the Roku channel. You do need a Roku device to see it, but it's free to watch. And uh, you know, if for nothing else, all the scenes that Bernadette Peters is in in this film are the ones that have charm and heart. So, um, you know, if you're a fan of Bernadette Peters, certainly check this out. Uh, there's a there's a certain um, there's no doubt. Uh, critics say it's very cloying, very very cloying, and okay, I suppose it is. But when you get to the end. There's a certain pathos uh, that we're watching, and it does, you know, it's like, you know, I got a lump in my throat mm-hmm. um, about the end. I would recommend it solely on the basis as a curiosity. Um, I would recommend it if you're interested in Andy Kaufman uh, or Bernadette Peters or both. And... Um, now you told me that you you feel like this is kind of one cult status. Mm-hmm. You think that's right? Yeah, just uh, simply because, of course, this is uh, you know the these characters are sort of iconic. You know, later in the '80s, we got to be more realistic with a lot of makeup and prosthetics because of the technology that was available. So these you know characters are a little bit clunky and and more stiff. So it relies upon the actors inside to bring them to life. Yeah. Many are the flaws of this movies, but uh, I agree. It, it has a heart and uh, I'm actually glad I watched it. Uh, I, I could never say this is a great or, or maybe even a good movie, but it's, it is interesting in, in a lot of respects. So give it a shot folks. And so before we actually say our our recommendations, uh, I was just going to kind of uh, implore you as an aside here. um, If anybody wonders what might have become of Andy Kaufman's career, Mm. if he had Mm -hmm. been with us still, there's a wonderful short interview with Orson Welles, who I believe at the time was standing in for a regular host on a talk show. So uh, Orson Welles interviewed Andy Kaufman. You know, he was one of several people that was in the lineup that night. But you could see that there was an admiration there because Orson Welles had done producing and directing, not only just acting. And you could see the admiration of him playing these wacky characters that Orson Welles was just wondering 
you know, what was coming next. So he pays him a rather nice compliment if you oh, want to really? check it out. Uh, just oh. search for Orson Welles, Andy Kaufman, and you'll likely find it. So That's really interesting. Yeah, I can't say enough about the curiosity that I have about Andy Kaufman. He was really doing, he was doing stuff that nobody else had ever done. He really was an innovator. He, he took great, great risks and seemed to just delight in it. I mean, the things he would do, I mean, I, there's just too much to go into here. Mm-hmm. But it was very, very unusual. And boy, you, you, you I mean, this is, this is a guy worth catching up on. And just because there's just never been anybody like him you know there are critics of this movie but man on the moon mm-hmm. was a movie about andy coffin and i saw it and it stars jim uh, carrey jim carrey thank you it really helps sort of explain how unconventional this man was <clears throat> and i i so i'd recommend that but well i just can't get over the enigma that is Andy Kaufman. <laughs> I guess that's the main thing. Uh, there's just like, he's absolutely fascinating. So weird. I think, you know, he said he was a song and dance man. I I prefer to think of him. He, you know, re- he was a performance artist. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as a performance artist, he would be something we would think of as a stand-up comedian, but nothing in his act was like any other stand-up comedian. He didn't just stand there and deliver jokes. He did weird, weird things that people didn't know what to think of. Anyways, enough about that, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, that Man on the Moon, I would recommend too. And uh, it just uh, it beautifully starts the story because the very first scene is him performing as a child in his bedroom. And his dad told him, you need an audience. So, of course, he starts performing for his little sister. (laughs) So, things that you might enjoy if you liked Heartbeeps. This is our snack tray, what we recommend that's related. So, uh, a few years after Heartbeeps in 86, there was a little film that starred a member of the Brat Pack, Ali Sheedy, and Steve Gutenberg. film called Short Circuit. Number five of a group of experimental robots in a lab is electrocuted, suddenly becomes intelligent, and escapes. From 86, I would recommend Short Circuit. And because this was Valentine's Day recently and Heartbeeps was sort of a romantic comedy, I'm going to recommend something romantic from more recent years, from 2001, with uh, 90s sweetheart and uh, action film heartthrob Meg Ryan and Hugh Jackman, a film called Kate and Leopold. And it's an English duke from 1876, inadvertently dragged to the modern-day New York, where he falls for a plucky advertising executive. Ah, Kind of the reverse of a a Yankee and King Arthur's Court, or whatever the hell hell that Mark Twain... (laughs) 
stereos. Interesting. Um, interesting choices, uh, DG. Short, short, circuit, short, short, circuit, uh, for sure. Um, and my choices <clears throat> are along those lines as well, because they're just seemed after after that after Star Wars. I think really there was just a plethora of robots on an abandoned world, often a trash heap kind of deal. And, and a lot of them, <laughs> there was a big part of heartbeats that took place in a giant dump, a giant trash heap. <clears throat> where there's like all these spare parts. So one of my recommendations is uh, Little Robots. It was a cartoon TV series from 2003 and 2005. And it was about Tiny, a robot and his friends who create their world from the scrap heap on which they find themselves abandoned. Also, along those lines, another cartoon, but this was a feature-length theatrical release by Pixar, it was called Wall E uh, from 2008. Uh, it takes place in the distant future, where in a small waste collecting robot inadvertently decides the fate of mankind. A popular Pixar movie, Wall E, and uh, and of course, I definitely urge anyone who's curious about Andy Kaufman to watch Man. On the Moon, directed by Milos Forman, or Milos, Milos Forman, uh, starring Jim Carrey, where he earned a lot of critical acclaim and a Golden Globe Award for his performance. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, I, I definitely think that they couldn't have picked anyone better than Jim Carrey for that role, because he is an enigma and one of few comics who I actually feel is better suited to serious roles in his later years. So he seemed to aspire to be more than, you know, dumb and dumber. Let's just say. <laughs> so, Toppy, here we are out in the lobby, and the marionette was a celebrated venue. Of course, many things have been through these doors, including a magician. Go ahead and reach up there on the shelf. Grab me that bag of coins, sir. All right, here you go. <sighs> okay, we're going to figure out what's coming next. All right, read that crazy capsule, DJ. Okay. Hey, this one here is a listener request, so cue, cue the loony bird sound. Wow. All right, so this is a early 80s animated feature by the future director of Tron, iconic film, featuring the voices, speaking of Saturday Night Live, Gilda Radner, and a notable 80s star, Billy Crystal. The Animal Kingdom stages its own Olympic Games. Next time, Animal Olympics, Friday. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Friday, March 4th at 9 p.m. There you go. Be here for the fun, kids. Uh, yeah, there you go. Well, TJ, thank you. That was fun. Yeah, and uh, remind us again who was in our chat room this evening. Well, we <clears throat> are very pleased to have Myron Gertz and uh, Tommy Hash Browns, um, 
who are kind enough to be with us uh, week after week. So thank you guys. All right, sir. So if you would, in the uh, ways of the old days of radio, could you say goodnight, Gracie? Goodnight, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to univospods.net, click the tower for streaming audio, enter Discord for our chat room. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Find our group on Facebook. Or visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a show? Or why not let us know how we're doing? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. This has been an Alibug production. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net.